You can have a seat. Uh, we're so glad that you're here and that you've chosen to come and worship with us this morning. Uh, a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to. I want to say thank you uh, to all of those who are veterans here. Uh, thank you. I know this weekend is one of the weekends that we, yes, yep. Yeah, thank you for your service. Thank you for your willingness to give and sacrifice for your country. And uh, we are proud of you, and we're pleased that you're part of our congregation. And uh, thank you for honoring God in the way that you have uh, with the use of your life uh, for him and also for this country. So thank you. If you know and you've been around, we do Thanksgiving bags uh, every year, and uh, we find one way or the other to give uh, to folks who are in need. If you know of somebody who may be in need, need a little bit of extra food next week, there will be some Thanksgiving bags here to give away. Uh, we're doing it over one week this, this year, trying to give them all out. So if you have someone in mind, come prepared to grab one of those bags after church and take those and uh, give them away to someone who uh, may be able to use a little extra food. And uh, we would appreciate it if you would kind of have that in your mind and be praying about it this week. But that will be happening uh, next Sunday, just so you're aware of that. If you want to be part of purchasing one of those, also we do that through uh, Save-A-Lot. And uh, you can buy those there and then they end up uh, here and we give them away. So if you want to be part of that, you can do that also this week. I want to say thank you uh, to you as a body for your generosity. I know uh, we do an offering and I often talk a little bit about why we give and we give for the ministry and to serve Jesus Christ. And three weeks ago, I had made a mention that to finish up stuff that we need to do to get into the building, uh, not to finish the building, but to get parts of it done so we can move in, that it was going to be 100, 120,000. Just wanted to let you know, but 111,000 of that has already come in. And yes, so, yeah. So I want to say two things about that. One, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for allowing God to use you. Number two, if you were praying about and planning to give, realize this, that's not the end, okay? There's a lot more that has to happen. And so if you're praying about that and you would like to give, go ahead and do that, and we will use that appropriately. Uh, but as God lays that on your heart, if you could be part of that, that would be great. Uh, we're going to take our morning gifts and offerings. If you're a guest with us, we're not asking that you give this morning. It's one of the ways that we worship. It's one of the ways that we say yes to God and we admit our need of him. And uh, part of that is just when he has a hold of our wallets, often he has really good hold of our hearts. And so we want to pray about that this morning, give you an opportunity to give um, if you're prepared to do that. So would you bow with me right now as we pray? Father, thank you so much. We have so many things to be thankful for. Thank you for those folks, the, the veterans that are among us today and those who are not here, those that are part of our town and our country who have been so willing to serve and to give. I pray that you would continue to bless them and encourage their hearts. And uh, thank you for the country that we have and the freedoms and the price that was paid for those freedoms. Remind us often of what folks have done on our behalf. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to care for this community in so many different ways. And God, would you help us as a church to be found faithful in doing that? 
And I know that there are a pile of people in this body who serve every day of the week in different ways to care for our community. And God, would you continue to bless and encourage their hearts, help them as they serve you, help folks to see Jesus Christ in them. And then this morning as we give, as an act of of worship and an act of service to you, I pray that you truly would have our hearts. I pray that we have thought through that process enough to realize that we're not giving out of compulsion or we're not giving out of a need. We're giving strictly because we love Jesus Christ. And we want the message of Jesus Christ to meet and reach as many people as possible. And so would you help the the ones who are giving this morning, bless their heart, encourage them. And then would you help us as a body to be found faithful in what's given, to use it in a way that would bring honor to your son, Jesus Christ. So it's my prayer that in the next few moments as we we continue to worship through song, it's my prayer that you would be pleased and that we would lift up Jesus Christ. Thanks for this place, the opportunity we have to meet. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and join us as we continue to worship? As you know, we've been walking our way through the book of Hebrews, and uh, this morning we're in Hebrews chapter 13, going to be looking at uh, verses 7 through 9, going to talking about a little about following uh, godly leadership and what that looks like. And uh, remember that the first 12 chapters of this book, uh, the author did a wonderful job of uh, explaining to us uh, what faith looks like, how faith works, uh, how faith should be evident in our lives, how it's walked out. And he went through, even from the Old Testament into the New Testament, the process of what faith uh, the evidence of faith in people's lives, and when, when people said yes to God, uh, how that faith changed the course of history, how it changed uh, nations, how it changed groups of people. Uh, faith played a massive part in the nation of Israel and their understanding of God. And so the author kept reminding us of just how important faith was and the part that it could play in our lives. And then we hit chapter 13. And chapter 13, as we realized last week, because we jumped through the first three verses and we realized that faith is super, super practical. It walks out off our feet kind of in our everyday living. And this next few verses just continue that conversation that we started last week. Now, often we want our faith to be personal and we want it, and it needs to be, don't get me wrong, we want it to be something that is between me and God and and, and I want to be able to spend time with God in my personal life and I want to know God in my personal life and and actually you've heard people and you may have said said it yourself that my faith is between me and God and and on a level that is true, but it's also not true. And it's not true in this way, is that God expects that our faith has a public effect. God expects that our faith will not just affect our own personal lives, but because we're Christ followers, because we're living in faith, because we've allowed the fa- our faith in Jesus Christ to affect our hearts, that then our actions are also affected by our faith. And so the lives that we live with our families, 
with those that are the closest to us, the lives that we live with those people that we run into on a regular basis, those lives are also affected by our faith. And it, it shouldn't be just like a mistake that they're affected by our faith. Okay, you get me? It should be something that is purposeful. We're so living in faith, this faith that we've described for 12 chapters, the faith in, in Jesus Christ, who is the great high priest, the one who paid the price for your sin, the one who has done everything possible for you so that you could have life and real life. That faith, if it's real in your life, if it's real in your heart, then it should be evidenced in every action and every step and everything that you do in life. It shouldn't just show up once in a great while by a mistake. It should affect you. So the author is going to keep this conversation going in chapter 13, verses 7 to 9. And I want to tell you that this is how, how real this is. is the, verse 7, he's going to talk about remembering and thinking back. And what he's going to talk about is some people in, in, in his life or some people in the life of the nation of, of Israel, the, these Hebrew people who had lived for God. And as I was reading this, I got thinking about people in my own life that I can remember if I think back in my life, people who have lived for God, who have put it all on the line for God and the effect that that had on my life. Now, I want you to stop for a minute this morning and I want you to think about people who have been in your life. And I want you to think about somebody or, or maybe it's a couple of people who were part of your life, maybe they're gone now, maybe you're not in the same, you don't live in the same place, you haven't seen them in a long time, but these are people who said that they were Christ followers, they had come to the place where you knew that they, they were followers of Jesus Christ, they had put, put their faith and their trust completely in Jesus Christ, and it was so evident in the way that they lived their life that it has affected you even today. There's some people in my mind, my dad being one of them. My dad lived out his faith. He was a farmer. He taught the Bible as well at a Bible school. But he lived practically his faith every day of his life. And I followed my father. I was the last of six children. And no, I was not spoiled. Yes, I'm the baby. Uh, you can ask all of my siblings, uh, if I was spoiled, and if they tell you, yes, they're lying, um, <laughs> it's not true. Uh, but I was the youngest of six, and on the farm, um, from my dad was old, he was in his 40s when I was born, and I just, I lived life at my dad's side. And wherever he went, I went. And whatever he did, I did. And it was to the point where my dad at school would come to school at times and he would show up at the principal's office and he would say, Tim's going with me today. And it would come over the intercom to my classroom, Tim, you're wanted at the office. And I'm like, you're wanted at the office. And I would go down, my dad would be standing there and he's like, you're going with me today. And the teacher would be like, why is he leaving? And, and dad would go, because I want him. <laughs> That's why. He's the parent, right? We've kind of lost that whole thing in the culture we live in today. But anyway, he was the parent. And he would take me, he would come and get me, and he would take me places with him. And the thing that always stood out to me is wherever we went, 
It didn't matter where we went. It didn't matter what job we were doing. It didn't matter, it didn't matter where we were. He walked his faith. And, and wherever we went, he had conversations with people. He didn't preach at them. He didn't take his Bible out. It, but he had conversations wherever he went about the fact that Christ was the Lord of his life. Everywhere he went. And when he died, this is 20-some years ago, when he died, I remember the, the evening that we did the visiting hours for my dad. It was a Friday evening, and it was in town, and the line just never ended. And I don't mean that like, I, it was long. And there were so many older gentlemen who didn't know God, who had worked with my father either farming or he had fixed, fixed equipment or whatever it was. And I remember so many would come up to me and they would shake my hand and they would say, your dad was the only friend that I had. Why? Because he lived his faith out. It was real. Now I saw my dad pretty much every day of my life. I, I would get up in the morning. I, I was an early riser when I was a kid, still an early riser to this day. And I would walk out and my dad would have finished chores and he would be kneeling either by his bed or by the couch. And he would be praying or reading scripture first thing in the morning. It's what he did. And so that was a major part of his faith, but here's the thing. He didn't just read it, and he just didn't pray about it. He walked it out every day of his life. And he proved it by the way he lived. I remember that. And I can tell you things about my own life if I were to take the time that I have not done, that I have stopped, that I have started down a path, and I have said this to myself, as I start down that path, I'm like, Tim, you can't go down that path. Why can't I go back down that path? Because I remember what my father said to me about living out my faith. And I remember it, and I, it's in my heart, and I can feel it, and it's real to me. Why? Because the influence of his life on mine, I still feel today. 20, I don't know, Pam, is it 23? I don't know how long. It's quite 26 years? 28 years. <laughs> See, that's why you have a wife. She reminds you. It's been 28 years since he was gone, since he died. And still to this day, that affects me. Who do you remember? Who do you have in your life? that has lived out their faith, that you can allow their lifestyle to reach in and touch your heart and your life. You say, Tim, where's this coming from? I want you to read it with me. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 13, verses seven to nine. It says this, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since these who observe them or those who observe them have not benefited. Three observations this morning from the text that I want you to catch. I want you to see this morning as we look at this. Observation number one found in verse uh, seven. 
Observation number one, found in verse seven. Let me read it again. Remember your leaders. It's what I spent the first five minutes talking about. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. The distinction in this passage, it's referring to those who lead the church, those who have, who have made a choice to be upfront, and I don't mean just upfront here, but have made the choice to put their lives on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's three times it's mentioned in this book, this same idea of that form of leadership. And you have to understand that that form of leadership is super important because it's how God designed the church. The church is an organism. It's a living, breathing entity that God set in motion. And as a living, breathing entity, Christ the scripture tells us, is the head. He's the one who drives the church. He's the one who's in control. And that's why the church is alive. It's not just an organization. It is an organization. But more importantly, it's an organism that's growing and living and alive. And in order for that organism to work the way it needs to, there has to be those who are giving thought to the structure of that organism. Now, Christ is the head, and he says this, that those of us who are, who are in the body of Jesus Christ, who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we make up the body of Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is we are all members of the body of Jesus Christ who all have gifts that have to be used in the body. Let me just do a little side note. I'm going to meddle for a minute. Okay, you ready? Prepare for this. If you are sitting here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are not using your gifts, that's sin. Whew, silence. <laughs> Told you I was going to meddle for a minute. You say, hey, Tim, how can you say that? I can say that because God gifted the body, every member of the body. And he did it so that the organism that is alive can grow the way it's supposed to. And if there's a member missing, then guess what? The body hurts. The body can't function the way it's supposed to. And so he makes the body and he designs the body so that all the members have a part that they play within the body. Now, it's not just in these walls, I mean these curtains that we're in, the tent, that's not what he's talking. He's not talking. He's talking the church as a whole, right? That all of the members of the body of Jesus Christ have a part that they play within the body for the good of the body so that the body will grow and it will become what it's supposed to be. And so the leadership that he has set that's God-ordained. Now, I know we live at a time and at a point in our culture where we don't trust those in leader, leadership, right? Am I right? Are you with me? Yeah, we don't trust them. Why? Because we have seen so many leaders that are in churches, but also in the public, in, pol in political arena, in business. We have seen so many leaders who have been all about themselves, and they have grown whatever it is that they're part of to pad their own pocket so that they could be powerful, so that people could see them, so that they could use things for their own glory, for their own good. I get it. I understand I'm with you. I am skeptical myself. But at the same time, I know that this is how God built the church. 
And I know that he built the church with a leadership structure. Why? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you what happens. If there is not a leader, if there's not somebody who is giving oversight, things get neglected. If there's not somebody who is thinking all the time about the body of Jesus Christ and the ministries and how they affect people and what, and what the outcomes need to be, then people get missed. And ministries don't happen and care doesn't happen. Why? Because we're all busy, aren't we? I don't know what your week was like. My week was crazy. I don't know what you did this week. But I seem to not have enough time. I talked to somebody this week who I was working with who told me if I had time for sale, he'd buy it. That's how he felt. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm with you. If I could find some extra, I'd buy it too. So the, we all are busy, and if we're not careful, if there's not somebody helping us be directed, the next thing you know, we disappear, and we do our stuff, and we forget about God's stuff. And so leadership matters. And this leadership that, that God has ordained kind of has a different picture than what we have in mind. This phrasing that he uses in this verse is, it's how I started. It's looking back at leaders in the body of Jesus Christ in the church that have done good for the church and looking back and remembering their lives and what they did for the church and how they stood for the church. But one of the first things that you have to remember about leaders and godly leaders is this. Godly leaders, first and foremost, are servants. It's not staying in a position that's above everyone else. God calls his leaders or those who lead the church to serve the body of Jesus Christ and to serve people. And so that's the first thing about leaders that we want to look for is people who are willing to serve. Let me give you a couple of verses that speak to that. 2 Corinthians 1.24 says this, and this was Paul, I don't mean that we lord it over your faith, another that we're on a level you're not, but we are workers with you for your joy because you stand firm in the faith. Paul looked at it this way and he said, look, we're on the same level, we're working together, we're pulling together for the same cause. That's how Mike and I look at the body of Jesus Christ here. We're on a team. And we have a role that we play, but so does every other team member. And we're not at different levels. We're all just pulling together, going the direction God asked us to go. He said it a different way. And Peter did in 1 Peter 5. He said this, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion or feeling the, the weight of needing to, but willingly as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. In other words, serve, care for, be there because that's what God has laid on your heart to do. And God will look after the rest. You know what? We planted the church here about 20 years ago. You know what I can say in the last 20 years? That's right. What I just read to you, it's right. God's right. I know that's a shocker. God's right. Because you know what's happened in this body? There's about 110 of you a week that are used, and there's more. That's just what I know that's attached to the body of Jesus Christ right here. It's about 110 folks that are using their gift weekly for the glory of God. And you want to know something? I'll be honest. 
I don't know a lot of it that's going on. I don't. And you know what? I'm okay with that. There are people who call and they ask me things, and I'm like, you're going to have to ask Jess. Because I don't know, Jess knows. Or you're going to have to ask somebody else who's the leader of that, because I don't know. And you want to know why? That's what this, these verses are saying. It's saying we don't lord it over. That's, that's not it. We don't control. That's not it. That's not what matters. We serve together for the glory of God and the good of the body. That's what we're to do. That's how we're to minister together as a body of Jesus Christ. Believer, is that you? Has there been somebody in your life that's drawing you to the place that you're just saying, look, I just want to serve like they did. I want to honor what they've done. I want to serve in the way that they've served. We're to follow these leaders that are like that in two ways. Let me give it to you. found right there in the verse. Number one, follow their spoken word. But God qualifies that in, that in that verse. He says this, it's not their own personal words that you're to follow. You're to follow their words from the word of God. As they speak the truth of the word of God, that's what you're to follow. You're not to go blindly. You're not to, you're not to just go, oh, that's the leader, so that's what we got to do. Nope. Get in the word of God and check out the leader. Make sure he's saying it right. Because if he's not, don't you follow. Don't you go down that path. And that's the qualification he lays. He's, look, if you're going to follow these, and I want you to follow the leader, but you make sure they're following the word of God, and that's the direction you go. And if they are, then you be all in. You hitch up, and you pull your weight, and you do the best you possibly can, because that's the direction we're supposed to go. Number two, second thing out of that same verse, is don't just follow their words, but follow their actions. This is difficult for me. As a leader, I think about this all the time. I'm constantly thinking about my actions and what they're telling you. And when I do things with you, not so much up here, it's easy up here, right? I can say whatever I want, and you're sitting there going, yep, okay. And some of you sleep through it, so you don't get it anyway. (laughs) But that's the easy part. It's when I've got a group of you and I'm working with you and we're hanging out and we're living life together, my actions better line up with my words. In a leadership structure, let me say it to you this way, there should be a very, very super small, very slim gap between your private life and your public life. What you say publicly better be how you live privately. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, I want you to follow your leaders. And if they're speaking the word of God, you be all in. I want you to follow that. And I want you to follow your leaders, but you watch their actions. And if their actions don't line up with their words, you pay attention to that because that's trouble. That's what the scripture tells us to do. And so I'm telling you as the body of Jesus Christ, as part of Mossbrook Church, that's what you do with your leaders. Our words and our actions best be aligned. And if they're not, then we need to have a conversation because that's what God has set for the leaders. So follow your leader, observation number two. I mean, observation number one. Observation number two is this. Found in verse eight, look to Jesus. He says this, so remember your leaders, but in remembering your leaders, don't forget what's really, really super important. Yeah, the leader's good, and I set the church up so that leaders lead. I got that, but look at verse eight. Jesus Christ, you say it with me, is what? 
Let's do that one more time, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gap, there is no gap. Jesus' private life and his public life, what's that tell us? It's the same. There's no gap. Yeah, your leaders, God calls them, follow them, listen to their words, watch their actions. But, but if one of them failed, don't give up. I, I hear so many folks that I've talked to that are not in church, and they say, well, I used to go to church, but this leader failed, so I left. What? They're sinners. The leaders are sinners. We, we have a sinful nature just like everybody else. They're human. We don't. We follow them as God ordains them and helps them, but that's not a reason to check out. Why? Because who are we ultimately following? Not the leader. Who are we following? Who? And, and what is he? I don't, you're not, you're con- not convinced. He's what? Okay, so who are we following? We're following Jesus. We're not following a human leader. And so this observation here is so important because our work and our eyes and our whole purpose needs to be focused on Jesus. And as your leader, my job is not to get you to see me at all. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but before I preach most Sundays, my prayer is this, that they would hear Jesus' words or the word of God, not mine. That they would see Jesus and not me. You want know why I pray that? One is that's what I want that to be true. But two, I pray that for me. That's my prayer. You can hear it. It's okay. But it's my prayer. It's for my heart. Because I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus Christ. And the point of my ministry, the point of what God has called me to do is to get out of your way so that you can see Jesus. That's the point. The point of what I do when I teach is not so you'll say, Tim did a good job this week. Nope. The point is is so that your eyes will be drawn to Jesus Christ and you will want to know him more and better. And so as your leader, my job is is to honor God by pointing you to Jesus Christ. And if I were to draw a picture for you today of what it looks for, for me to disciple you and help you grow, it would be me pointing you to Jesus and then stepping out of the way and saying, there, you just go with him. Because if you get it with Jesus, you got it. But if you get it with me, I'll mess you up. Because I'm human. I'll try, I'll do my best, but I fall short. I'm only human, and at my best, I'm weak. But he's not, because Jesus is what? He's the same. Okay, you've said that five times now, and I made you do it. I take responsibility, but do you know what that means? Do you know what it means? Let me tell you what it means. See, yesterday... He paid the price for your sin. Do you ever think about that? Yesterday, the ministry of Jesus Christ was to do the Father's will, to go to the cross, and to pay for your sin. Today, do you know what he's doing? 
He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, for me. He's standing before the Father right now as I'm teaching, and he's saying, look at Tim. I know he has problems. He is. This is what he's doing. He's standing before the Father, and he's saying, I know he doesn't have it all together, but you look at Tim through me, and he's perfect. That's what his intercession is. He's standing before the Father right now, and he's got you on his mind and on his heart, and he's standing before the Father, and he's saying, look, that one's yours because I paid the price, and he's holy, and he's perfect because I did it. I did it for him. That's what he's doing right now. He paid the price past. He's interceding for you right now. In the future, tomorrow, you know what he's doing? He's going to complete the will of the Father so that you get to have a home for eternity. That's his job. That's what he's doing. And so Jesus Christ, when we say this, when he tells us, look, look to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus did what he was supposed to. He's doing what he's supposed to, and he will finish the job every time. You want somebody constant in your life? Turn to Jesus. No person, no church, no organism, no no organization, turn to Jesus. Why? Because he always stays the same. He never changes. He's always doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing the will and the purpose of the Father all the time. Got it? Who are we supposed to turn to? Okay, Sunday school answer, but you got it. What is he? He's the same. He wants to be that for you today. Will you let him? Observation number three from the passage is this. Avoid other teachings. It's found in verse nine. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart. Look at this phrase right here. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor, right? It's God giving us what we don't deserve. It's God looking at us and reaching down and saving us, knowing that we couldn't do that for ourselves. That's his grace, right? It, the Bible tells us that we don't work for salvation, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, his grace, that he saved us. It's all of what God has done for us, nothing that we do in and of ourselves. It's a, it's a gift from God to us. That's his grace, and so he says this about this. He's like, don't be led astray by all these strange teachings, but know this, that it's by the goodness and the grace of God that you're a child of God, not what you do. And then he goes on. He says, not by food regulations, uh, not by those observing something that, that, that if we do this, it makes us look good. Look, we're all about observing a new fad, Right? If you don't eat this for 20 days, you'll lose 50 pounds. Liar. <laughs> if you try this diet, no, look, folks, it takes, it's a lifetime thing. This is a life change. You got to exercise. You got to eat right. You got to, and this, there's no shortcuts to anything. Just buy it. Look, if anybody tells you the shortcut, they're wrong. You have to do the work. It's just the way it is. And so we want to put the work in because then it looks like it's something we did, right? And God says salvation doesn't work that way. And so the observation from the passage here is this. Look, if anybody tells you that if you work at all this stuff, then God's going to love you better, 
It's not true. Because you are saved by what Jesus Christ did, not by what you do. And God is not impressed by what you do. You know what he's impressed with? He's impressed when we admit we can't do it. That's when he's impressed. He's impressed when we come to the place where we say, look, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. He's impressed when we're humble before him and we say this, look, I don't have the energy to keep doing this. And God says, yeah, I know. Because I supplied your energy. And I was hoping that you would get to the place where you understood that you needed me. That's what I was hoping. And so we want to add all kinds of things to our faith so that we look good. And God says, no, it's not about us looking good. It's about us turning to Jesus. So don't add anything to your faith. Colossians 2 says it this way. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or matters of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are all shadows of what to come. The substance is Christ. Those are all stuff that we added to. Stick to who? Christ. Go back to Christ. Don't try to add anything. Don't try to add special worship things. Don't try to, there's nothing you can add. It's Christ and it's Christ alone. See, verse nine is in contrast to verse eight. Verse eight is Jesus Christ, the same. Right. Verse nine says, look, if you work hard enough, Jesus will be happy. No, verse eight had it right. It's all about Jesus. And so this morning, my whole point of spending all the time that I've spent talking to you is this. You ready for this? Because this is deep. See, Jesus. I could have told you at the beginning, but you wouldn't have caught it. See, Jesus. Know Jesus. Stop working so hard. You don't need to. Turn to Jesus. You say, Tim, what does that mean? Get to know who he is. Would you get in the word for yourself and read the New Testament simply to see Jesus? Don't read it for all the information you can gather. Don't read it as a guidebook for life. Yeah, it does those things. But if you'll read it to see Jesus... To know Jesus, to know his character and his heart, it will change you for eternity. If you see Jesus and you know Jesus for real and you allow him to control your life, it will affect your family. It will affect how you go to work. It'll affect the way you answer people. It'll affect the way you drive It'll affect your response while you're driving. <laughs> That's how practical this is. I, folks, if we truly let Jesus be Jesus in our lives, people will be shocked at who we become. And I can tell you something that if we as a body point everybody that we run into to Jesus, we'll never hold the people. 
Because people love Jesus. And why shouldn't they? He brings forgiveness. He brings healing. He brings hope. He brings purpose. He brings a reason to the life that we're living on this earth. Oh, this morning, could you please, please look to and see Jesus. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the reminder. The reminder of where our eyes and our heart should be. Thank you that you've set up the church. You've ordained leadership. You've put them in place. You've made it so that we can worship together. But thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, that we have a constant person we can look to who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us as a body, help us as a congregation, help us within this community to point people's eyes and their hearts to Jesus. Help us to have our eyes solely fixed on Jesus Christ. Encourage us in our faith this morning. Thank you for your word. In your precious name we pray, amen. Would you stand together as we close with this worship?